This is Bulls Beat on Bulls Unlimited. Bulls Beat is your stop for exclusive interviews, highlights, and the very latest on all sports at the University of South Florida. With today's show, here's your host, Derek Sharp. Thanks for dropping by on a Wednesday. We've got some, uh, sadly, highlights of the last match of Denise Shilty Brown's career as women's soccer head coach as the Bulls. Not going to call it stunned, but knocked off by the seventh seed at the conference tournament, Florida Atlantic. There was a lot of stunning stuff going on yesterday afternoon, and some teams didn't survive, and the Bulls were one of them. But an amazing shot, the best shot I saw all year that could have sent the game to overtime and didn't, thanks to a great save on the other side. You'll definitely hear that along with the goal. And that's coming up here shortly. We'll also give you the layout for the men's soccer match tonight win and they're in the conference tournament lose and they're not tie and well we'll tell you if you are inclined to know all the scenarios what's going on with that match which we will broadcast for you live tonight well yesterday was a long and busy day but it's what i love doing is we got to the school around 11 o'clock to record bullseye get ready to hear that show tomorrow morning coach goalish great as always naquan wright was outstanding Look out soon for a story coming to GoUSFBulls.com by Joey Johnston where he talks about how at age 11 there was a drive-by shooting at a youth football practice in Miami and he got shot, grazed him, and his mother was told that he was dead. Fortunately, that was an erroneous statement and he tells us about it on the show tomorrow along with what he's been doing with the football team. Of course, the Bulls are getting ready for a very difficult Memphis team on the road this weekend. Also, as part of Bullseye tomorrow, and I had to, this is the first time I really had to get my editing chops out because Sam Barrington always speaks with the former player and Kayvon Webster, uh, he went long, but it was all great stuff, and you'll hear a good solid dozen minutes of the former Bull and former NFL player coming up on tomorrow's Bullseye show. And Jose Fernandez stopped by for a few minutes as well, his team getting set to play next week but on this show you're going to hear some of what jose told the media at a press conference actually right before coach goalish and in our second segment you'll also hear from a couple of members of the men's basketball team two of the three who are returning we didn't get a chance to talk to Corey walker during the photo shoot but we did sit down with sam hines jr and selton miguel so that's coming up in our second block remember the men's basketball team is at home on thursday night in an exhibition and you can hear it live on bulls unlimited Hopefully you heard Bull Speed Ahead with Michael Kelly yesterday. If not, it's on our podcast page. The update he had for the on-campus stadium, a lot of people were interested about that. We'll play that clip here after we tell you about women's golf, which ended up the fall with another very, very solid showing. What a showing in the fall for the highly ranked women's golf team. We'll find out it's a whole different other topic. There's a new system that's attempting to do the golf rankings, and it's not working out. So we'd love to tell you exactly where the teams that they were going up against at the Hurricane Invitational are ranked, but we don't even know that. It was a very strong field, though, and the Bulls finished in third place. So in their four fall events, they win in Wisconsin. They come in second in Tulsa, fourth out of 10 teams in Toledo, but that might have been the well, – wasn't might have. It was the strongest field they played in. And still to finish fourth, they gained some rankings points there. And then third out of 12 in Miami. The team that won the Hurricane Invitational was the Miami Hurricanes. 
It's one of the teams they finished ahead of in Toledo, by the way. And the reason why third was so good is there was no catching Miami. Hurricane shot back-to-back 10 under 278s on Monday. We're 20 under par going into yesterday's final round. Oklahoma was definitely within range at 13 under, while the Bulls were at 10 under. They shot back-to-back 5 under 283s themselves. Back on Monday, the fourth score was what was hurting the Bulls. You have a starting five, your best four scores count, and the Bulls had... Three really tremendous first rounds led by Emma Falcher from France, four under 68. Leo Medeiros was a three under 69, and Melanie Green shot two under, but the next best score for the Bulls was four over, turned in by Alyssa Montgomery, the transfer from Vatek. She improved to one over par in her second round. Green was five under in her second round through the first nine holes, ended up at five under 67. And Falcher doing her thing again with the 468. She was second overall heading into the final round. And credit to Leo Madero. She was actually the fourth score for the Bulls despite having a triple bogey on her front nine and being five over with five holes to play. She birdied two more and got to a three over 75. So the Bulls were three behind Oklahoma, unfortunately, and this is why third place was good. They were only even par in their front nine. While that was happening, Texas State was going well under and actually was ahead of the Bulls. And fifth place, Augusta was creeping in. But in the end, the Bulls closed out strong, finished comfortably in third place. Six shots behind OU, five shots ahead of Texas State. Miami 27 under par was a winner. Oklahoma 17 under the Bulls, 11 under after their one under par. Final round, and Alyssa Montgomery actually was the top scorer. She improved every round, four over for her first, four under, bogey-free on Tuesday. That was enormous. Melanie Green ended up three under par, 69. She birdied two of her final five holes. Again, the Bulls closing strong. The other two scores were three over par, 75s, turned in by Emma Falcher and Alize Vidal. First place individually was not going to happen for anybody not named Sarah Byrne of Miami. She set the Hurricanes School record for a 54-hole total of 19 under par at the Biltmore Golf Course in Coral Gables. That included a 9 under 63 second round. Nine behind her was MG, two shots ahead of three golfers, including two from Oklahoma. Foucher ended up in the top 10 comfortably. Again, she was second place entering the final round, ended up in seventh with a 5 under par total. So we'll talk to the Women's golf team, I'm sure, over the next couple of weeks, but they finished up the fall, and as she said on GoUSFBulls.com, head coach Erica Brennan, this was a stellar fall season, and they continued to show that they belong in any field. Coach Stevens and I are proud of their performances, and what's great, they're hungry for even greater heights. Now we'll enjoy a few days off before transitioning into our off-season work. The sky is the limit for this team, and yeah, when the golf rankings get sorted out, this is me talking, not Erica now, We will make sure we tell you how highly they're ranked, but I have a feeling top 25 is a possibility. They will return in the spring. Well, we knew the fall was going to end for women's golf on Tuesday. We didn't know, even though it was a possibility, that it was going to come to an end on Tuesday night for women's soccer, and thus ends the career of head coach Denise Shilty-Brown. Technically, the Bulls could be picked for the NCAA tournament, but it is extremely unlikely they're computer ranking wasn't high enough to begin with they were probably going to have to win the AAC tournament and on a day that was filled with stunning results and near results beginning with number one seed Memphis trailing one nothing to eight seed UAB until finally scoring more than an hour in and getting the win late 
And then East Carolina, which was the four seed and for a long time was the division leader over the Bulls, getting blitzed 5 nothing by Charlotte. Well, nothing like that happened to the Bulls last night, but it, for the second year in a row was a shutout in their first game at the conference tournament. And the Bulls simply went up against an FAU team that didn't have anything flashy on their entire schedule all year long, but also were very solid and were going to take their opportunities when they came. This was not what happened on Thursday night where the Bulls vastly outshot the Owls 20-4. to In the end, it was 17-9, to but the last several shots were at the end when the Bulls were very desperately trying to tie the score. In the first half, the Bulls statistically had the edge, but I'm not going to be able to sit here and play you a bunch of highlights of big chances to score. That was the issue. The Bulls, when they got it near the top of the penalty box, they were either dribbling right into traffic or just didn't have anything via clean looks. Gentiana Fetoy did have a nice long-range shot in the first half, but it was easily saved by Lexi Gonzalez. More on that hookup in just a second. But early in the second half, it sure looked like the Bulls were going to have a chance to take the lead. Here's how it sounded. Oh, in rhythm to Sider on the right side. Not a bad cross. Is anyone there on the far post? Surging is Mark Bart since he got knocked down, but no call. And they do give the call. Wow. No call originally. It's a penalty. I thought that Mark Bartson definitely took a dive, but at the same time, she was fouled. And that is more of a misplay by FAU than anything. Now, they can review all penalty kick calls, and they will definitely review this one because, honestly, Mark Bartson, this would be ironic because it was her getting fouled or committing the foul against Rice, which was a bogus call. There was definitely some contact here, but it's got to be ruled legitimate, and we're going to get a pretty close look right in front of us. I'll try and be quiet here. Imagine that, me trying to be quiet. Well, I couldn't because it would have been about six minutes of dead air. That's right. It took about that long for this play to be looked at. You can look at it yourself. Like I said, live on the air, it looked like Mark Fartson might have taken a dive there. The player who had a great game for FAU, by the way, Michelle Horan, immediately disputed the call. There was actually an FAU fan in the stands that put his arms up as if to say there was no actual contact. The point is, the referee called it a penalty on the field, and she could not decide after looking at the review all different ways for about four minutes. It looked like, first glance, that Horan had her hands on Mark Fartson's back, even if it was just a subtle contact. You know, think of pass interference in football where there's not a whole bunch of contact, but it sets the receiver off their course, and that's why you call it. But I can't tell you definitively that Mark Martson was touched. You can even see if you watch it back on ESPN+, Plus, she kind of has a wry smile on her face. So I'm not going to argue that the Bulls got hosed or anything like that, but if you call it a penalty on the field and you need four minutes to look at it, stick with the call. If you can't overturn it clearly, instead the referee enlisted her assistant referee to look at it, and he took a lot less time and ruled no penalty. I asked Denise Schilte-Brown after the game, had that ever happened in her history? No, there had never been a review that had gone to a second set of eyes, and all this was unfolding right in front of me. So you could definitely, as my vantage point, was right there in between the benches at the Premier Sports Complex in Bradenton, sense that it wasn't going to go the Bulls' way. But they still had 42 minutes to try and score, and frankly, FAU had more chances. Horan had a setup to Sophia Volby, who scored the goal against the Bulls on Thursday night when South Florida won 2-1. to 
and she skied it over the net. They, the Owls, had a goal coming, and it came. Fetoy does a couple of 360s. Sees Mark Martin in stride, but it was intercepted on the right side by Horan. Man, she is just turning on the Jets. She is a menace right now. Slots it onto the path of sets, but she's going to have a chance, and that is a goal. Great goal by FAU. All set up by Horan. And the Owls have taken the lead with 26 and a half minutes to go. That was about the third time that a player for FAU was able to roam straight into the penalty box, and Horan who only in her second year has five career shots, you knew was going to pass the ball. And it was a perfect setup to Setsma, who is from Manatee High School and has been playing well for Patrick Baker's FAU Owls team. So the Bulls had to try and respond and get it to overtime if they could. And frankly, they couldn't get that connection. It was going to take something spectacular. They even tried moving Georgia Brown up to forward for the last seven and a half minutes. Even though she really didn't get a clean look, I mentioned it was going to take something spectacular. Oh, this was spectacular, but unfortunately it was on both sides, particularly the goalkeeper for the Owls. Schwarzenberger helps out as the Owls have sunk back completely defensively. They only have one player forward, it's Simona Stotcher. Ball sent in by Bulis and cleared away by the Owls, but onto the path of Feto. Oh, what a blast and a great save! Lexi Gonzalez on a sensational volley by Fettoy. Maybe the best shot of the year that I've seen. And it was ticketed for the goal. I mean, that was Sports Center number one if it's a goal. But Gonzalez makes maybe the save of the year. You know, you look back at it, and Lexi Gonzalez truly only moved about one foot. It was. Well, to her right, then back to her left because of the incredible dipping action of that shot. But that's a shot that any professional, any league, women's or men's, would just dream of making such a perfect hit. And it was blazing towards the crossbar. Gonzalez, who's very sound, was able to punch it over the goal. It was right at her in the end, but there's no way she could have caught it. So that's how much force was behind that shot. And it just wasn't the Bulls' night. But let's be clear, this wasn't a game where you know that was indicative of the type of the chances they had throughout. There were just not many clean looks for the Bulls. Certainly that would have been a spectacular way to go to overtime, but it never happened in the Bulls' loss. One to nothing, Denise Shilty Brown goes 10-6-2 and in her final year, moves on to the next chapter in her career as the coach of the professional women's team coming to Tampa Bay. We'll certainly keep an eye on that. We're not done talking about the women's soccer team. It was, you know, you get to see it right in front of you. Vivian Bissett, one of the best players I've ever covered, didn't want to leave the field. Madison Schwarzenberger, fellow senior, consoling her at midfield. It's always tough to wrap up a season with any team, especially one that you've spent a lot of time with the players. And I did get to say thanks to Denise afterwards as we left Bradenton. Should also mention the American Athletic Conference had its women's soccer all-conference teams early this week. Fetoy, who you just heard impact things, was a first-teamer for the first time, and central defenders Vivian Bissett and Georgia Brown, both on the second team. Truly Bissett is a first-teamer, but six of the 11 players were from Memphis. So we got back right around midnight last night as our kickoff was actually at 8.10, scheduled for 7, uh, and there was no overtime before us. It's just when you're the fourth game on the first day of a soccer tournament, you're probably not going to kick off on time unless the planned kickoffs are three hours apart. The league went with a two-and-a-half-hour window, and by the way, the league was great. Had me set up in a perfect spot right there in the middle of the action, kind of like we are for basketball but on the soccer field. 
Actually, Thursday was going to be interesting. I was certainly expecting to bring you Bulls and SMU, but instead the Owls will go up against the Mustangs in the semifinal. And we were going to have live men's basketball and tape-delayed women's soccer, but now just live men's basketball. We'll get to my chats with Sam Hines and Selton Miguel here shortly. And we will replay that soccer match, even though it was a disappointing game. The Bulls didn't score. You'll get to hear the drama as it did unfold. We'll do that at 10 o'clock. Now, the men's soccer team tonight at 7 o'clock. First of all, it's senior night. Secondly, it's kind of an important game as the Bulls need to win on the surface but could actually get into the conference tournament with the tie. They come into the night in 7th place in the standings, but the team that's two points ahead of them is the team they play. That would be FAU. So if the Bulls win, they will be the 5th seed for the conference tournament or the 6th seed, depending on what Temple does. Temple enters the night in sixth place, one point ahead of the Bulls, but is at SMU, which is in first place and is going to be going for a win to lock up the number one seed and hosting rights for the conference tournament. That is an important piece of information to put in your back pocket just in case the Bulls don't win. If the Bulls tie and SMU beats Temple, the Bulls and Temple will be tied in the standings. They tied on the field. The next tiebreaker is... Goal difference, and Temple right now holds the advantage with a negative one goal difference. Thanks to them winning their last game 5-1, to one, they got their goal difference improved. The Bulls, if they tie, would still be on minus two. So if Temple loses by a goal, that would be an even category, and they'd go to the next tiebreaker, which is goals scored in conference play, and Temple has the Bulls by a mile. So, long story short, if the Bulls win, they're in. If they tie... They need SMU to beat Temple by at least two goals. Not the craziest thing to hope for, but you want to take care of things yourself, and we'll have a call for you tonight on Bulls Unlimited. Nine teams in the conference, six make the conference tournament, and obviously we'll give you live looks at what's going on elsewhere. And lest we forget, like I did on Wednesday morning's show, that's why we're adding it here on the podcast page, about Tulsa. The Bulls, if they win again, that doesn't change. They are in the conference tournament. They'll be the five seed or the six should Temple pull off an upset at SMU. If the Bulls tied, they need two things to happen. Well, we already told you, SMU must win by at least two against Temple, and Tulsa cannot win because the Golden Hurricane with the victory at home against FIU would jump over the Bulls. Tulsa actually needs two things to happen tonight. The Bulls would need two things to happen if they tie FAU. And of course, if they win, they're in. If they lose, they're out no matter what. Obviously, we'll let you know more about it during the course of our broadcast, but we'll also point out that that Tulsa FIU game and the SMU Temple game both start at 8, an hour after our game. So further heightening the desire to go ahead and win and not have to not just scoreboard watch, but wait around for an extra hour to find if your season extends. Little football, little basketball to wrap things up here. Did you catch the very end of Bull Speed Ahead? Always good to get a on-campus stadium update. Now, a lot of people were eager to hear it. Joey Knight tweeted this quote, but here's how it sounded in audio form from Michael Kelly himself. Always meetings about the stadium, which is really, really cool. We were yeah. always doing, working with our design firms and uh, with Populous and, and working, moving moving things ahead. So lots of good work being done. I think we're, we're working hard to make sure we have a, our next big update during our board of directors meeting that first week of December okay. uh, to give our, our trustees and ultimately the public a a good uh, snapshot in terms of the path that we're heading, but uh, it's coming, it's coming well. And uh, when you think that you're building both an operations building for football and lacrosse and a stadium, that'll be a centerpiece of this entire university. It's a great, great project to work on and 
exciting to make it a reality and look forward to the the upcoming updates. That was the tail end of the full show that is available if you want to check it out on our podcast page. Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. Just search South Florida Bulls Radio Network. Here on the stream is where you can, for the first three airings, get exclusively Bullseye with Alex Golish. Frankly, a lot of what we covered about the UConn game, the bye week, is stuff that he talked about during his press conference. He gets more into detail with us, so we're not going to play too many clips from his press conference, but I did want to share a Byron Brown anecdote. It always seems like he comes up with a new story to make you impressed about the Bulls leader every week or so, and Tuesday was no exception. Byron, you know, I continue to be amazed by him just continuing to push through. To be honest with you, he probably played his worst game at UConn. Um, I thought the first three quarters he was really rushed. I said it after the game and going back and looking at the film, he was really rushed. I thought he was trying to force a lot of things. Um, I thought he went through his progressions really in an awkward way. I thought his feet didn't get settled. What continues to impress me with him is what he's like when he comes off the field. Like there is never a panic. Like what you see, he'll tell you every time. He'll tell you the truth of what he saw. And he's usually right in what he saw. And then he'll say, man, that's what I saw. And then I didn't do the right thing. What he's done for us has created a stability offensively where guys believe in him, guys trust him, the other side of the ball trusts him. And I think a lot of that is the toughness part. You know, the fact that we've been able to run him and he just continues to knock on wood again, Brian, make it out healthy. Like he is, for being 19 years old and being a redshirt freshman, there's like this level of uh, moxie would maybe be the word that that you really, it's really hard to find in recruiting. It's really hard to coach. Like you kind of either have it or you don't. I've said it a bunch now about him. Like you build a program around somebody like that who is tough, who's smart, who's easy to coach because there's no ups and downs. It's the same guy every day. Comes in every Monday and and brings the same sour straws in because he knows that'll make my Monday afternoon. <laughs> and he allows you to coach him. He allow, he's so easy to com- like so easy to communicate with. You're the Knockwood mention, Brian Segrist, of course, expert head of sports information there. He did say that the bye week did allow the offensive line to completely heal up. Joffrey Brown running around full speed. And it's probably a good thing because they'll need to, I'm guessing, have their offense at full go against Memphis this Saturday. Also, Tramel Logan and Naquan Wright spoke. We'll give you some of those clips on Friday's show. But remember, Naquan is our guest on Bullseye Thursday. First airing at 7 o'clock. The full hour will repeat at 8 and 9 right here on Bulls Unlimited. Jose Fernandez talked about the women's basketball team. Yeah, we'll mention that in summary form, but he wanted to say this as he ended his press conference Tuesday. The other thing I want to mention, guys, you know, I know our football team's been on a bye week. You know, I think for us to, to be in the position that we're at, uh, where Alex is and his staff and their football program, we haven't been there for a long time. So I encourage all Bulls Nation to continue to support the student athletes through the good times and through the bad times. Okay, let's not continue to have a seesaw on social media because student athletes do look at social media, all right? We haven't been in this position as a football program to be two games away from being bowl eligible in a long time. So I just like to say that sometimes I howl at the moon at night and get on social media and, and tweet stuff that I shouldn't. But uh, it's out there and we got to do better. We got to do better as a community and as supporters. Love it. He also spoke about how the team looked in its two scrimmages. 
We can't say who the opponents were, but I know who they were, and excellent tune-ups. And basically, if you read between the lines, losing Ellen Echenecki, who was kind of the go-to guard as the shot clock was winding down, or throw it inside to Dulcie, sounds like the Bulls, with a lot of newcomers, both transfers and freshmen, Maybe still trying to figure out who that go-to person is, but they're going to be a good shooting team. Also mentioned, and I don't know if there's something going on here, but he said they got to stay healthy. So, I don't know. We might have more on that front on Monday, but if you can't wait until Monday to learn more about the team, don't worry. He was my guest on Bullseye, and you can hear that on Thursday. But we're going to wrap up on Friday's show. We will hopefully have a recap of a victory for men's soccer. Volleyball is playing two at Temple. The first one is tomorrow at 4 o'clock. Tell you, if the Bulls can at least win one of those, they'll set themselves up to be able to take back the division lead from East Carolina, who they host for two next week. We'll also, of course, get you fully ready for the football game and tell you how Eric Gravelius and Alvin Todorica are doing at the ITA National Fall Championships. We spoke with Alvin, who, with his incredible run to the finals at the Southeast Regional, earned a spot in the bracket in San Diego. Well, He and Gravelius just missed out, but they were on the alternate list, and they're in the doubles field. And that action begins today. We love covering all the sports for you here on Bulls Beat. Remember, men's soccer live tonight, men's basketball live on Thursday night. And Bullseye in this time slot tomorrow morning. This has been Bulls Beat. Thanks for listening. I'm Derek Sharp.